It's time for JT the Brick. I am JT the Brick, focused black hole, getting in there, ready to rock. I got my A game. I've been there with the Raider Nation in the black hole. I've been in this rivalry. I've seen it in my 24 years here. It's a do or die game. Can't let them win in Vegas. Protect the house. Protect the Legion Stadium. Be ready to go. No half-ass effort. You don't need a PhD. You don't need some expert on CNN or Fox News teaching you about fandom. I just told you. JT the Brick. I'm on a roll right now, so let me go. Hey, JT. Yes. I love you, and I love your show, Thank you. That's what the Raiders are based on. Al Davis, the history of the Raiders. They were always banged up. They were always taped up. They had blood coming through their helmets, and they played. The 11 angry men. I'm not encouraging injuries. I'm encouraging violence. So that's where we are, Raider Nation. Simply put, man up and play football and win a game. And now. That's a hell of a motivational speech. Here's JT the Brick. Thanks for coming back. Hour number two on Raider Nation Radio. We are on 920 AM. We're brought to you by Resorts World. Was over there the other morning for a meeting, and it is glorious as they're opening up more and more retail shops. They're doing more and more with their restaurants, Zook, the nightclub, Doghouse, everything they do at Doghouse Saloon, and Redtail. And we'll be doing some stuff with them over at March Madness as the madness is upon us. Raiders are over at the Combine. We'll talk to Eddie Pascal, head of that digital team, with the content at the bottom of the hour. Josh McDaniel spoke Earlier today, uh, Raider fans don't seem to have any comments on him today, so I'm going to move on and play more of it. We're trying to figure out where the coach can grow and explore so, some more success at the quarterback position because he had a tremendous amount of it throughout his life. That's all he's done. It's been successful with the quarterback. He had Derek Carr for a year. Wasn't that great? He moved on from Derek Carr. Now we're trying to figure out what he wants. I think in an ideal world, he'd like a young, great upside, huge ceiling quarterback. Good luck finding that. There's a risk in that. A veteran, I don't know, a lot of fans don't think he needs a veteran. He's had veterans before. But how long will it take Josh McDaniels to develop a quarterback if he's not in the first seven picks? Say the Raiders get a quarterback in the second or third round. How long you want to wait to develop that kid? It's going to take at least a year or two. So what are you going to do in between? Jared Stidham? Or do you go after Aaron Rodgers or someone else like a Jimmy Garoppolo? And that has quieted down because most of the conversation that we heard today and what a lot of insiders are saying around the NFL is that they're sensing that Josh McDaniels is just sensing wants to find the long-term young quarterback for this franchise, which would be great. I would love that, but the kid needs to win pretty quickly. Got to come in and be able to play. And only guys like Joe Burrow can do that. There's not many guys unless you get a number one pick overall. Didn't work out with Baker Mayfield, but then again, Baker went to the playoffs and won a playoff game. I think Raider Nation would take that. Uh, So a couple other headlines I want to get to. The NCAA, who are a joke. You see everything that's happening with Alabama basketball. You don't hear a word out of them. But this story broke today from Heather Dinch from ESPN. The NCAA panel eyes a shorter football game in college. Wow, that got my headline. Uh, That got my eyes. what, What does that mean? College football leaders are meeting this week in Indianapolis to consider three rule changes that could shorten game times and reduce the number of plays during college football games. Let that sink in. Raise your hand or beep your horn if you want a college football game to end earlier. What the hell's going on out here? Baseball pitch clocks? I couldn't believe this headline. So they're trying to figure out how to make college football games end quicker. The rule changes under consideration include 
running the clock after a first down is awarded, except in the last two minutes of either half. Number two, eliminating the option for teams to call consecutive team timeouts and carrying over any fouls to the next period instead of finishing with an untimed down. So, look, again, I just, I'm amazed how they want to change the rules of our beloved sports, man. Everybody wants to change the history of sports. Steve Shaw, NCAA football secretary of rules and an officials coordinator, told ESPN Today that the combined changes are estimated to shorten the average length of games by seven to eight minutes in eight plays. Okay. We're so worried about seven to eight minutes in 2023. Just came off a pandemic, right? Came off a pandemic, and now everybody's worried about cutting seven to eight minutes out of a college football game. I just think it's crazy. According to Shaw, college football games have averaged 180 plays per game over the past three regular seasons and typically last three hours and 21 minutes. So they want to get that closer to three hours for television. <laughs> oh, man. I don't know, man. It's, it's all changed. I'm not a boomer. I'm not getting off my lawn. You see my life. I'm not going to bed at 8 o'clock. <laughs> I'm no boomer. I don't act. I, I, think, I don't think I act my age. But, man, they want to end everything, man. Where's everybody going, Bobby? Where does everybody have to go where the baseball game's got to end instead of it being two hours and 48 minutes? You know, ideal, but it goes 307 or 312. Where's everybody going in that 28 minutes that it's such a rush? Why do we got to move along a college football game on campus at Michigan and cut out eight to 10 plays in a game? Where the hell does everybody have to go that's so bleep and important that we got to change all these rules and shorten the games? Netflix. <laughs> I watch a lot of Netflix, man. I just watch Full Swing. I watch the Bill Russell. I'm taking a red eye tonight. My wife and I are taking the red eye. And people are like, why are you doing that? Because we want to gain a day. We're going to see our family. Our, both our parents are in their 80s, and we live in Vegas, and they can't get to Vegas the way they used to. So we're going to see them for like these three, four-day trips. And to get some extra time with them, we're taking red eyes. So I'm downloading some Prime videos and Netflix and all of that there. So I watch a lot of Netflix, but I've never been the guy at a Raider game that goes in Oakland or Vegas. Man, what time's the game end? And I'm an expert on this topic because I host the post-game show, and a lot of these games go to overtime with the Raiders, and then I don't get a chance to get home. And the post-game show starts, and I don't care. I want to see overtime. I want to see games come down to the last play. I'd like the Raiders to win these games easier, but... We're now living in a time with children where the kids have no more attention span. They cannot stay three hours. They can't. And mom and dad are worried about that, and the networks are worried about that, and the advertisers are scared to death, and the leagues are scared. So they want everybody, everything to be a lot faster. I, I used the example on my night show the other night. My wife grew up in a town called Lincoln, Illinois. If you don't know where that is, that's the first ever town of Lincoln that was named after Abraham Lincoln when he was alive. There's a whole bunch of Lincolns in this country, but after Lincoln died. So Abraham Lincoln was a surveyor and an attorney, and he broke a watermelon there at the depot and dedicated. So my wife's from Lincoln, Illinois, and she's a big Cubs fan. And her mom and dad would take her to the Cubs games every summer. I think it was about two hours to get from Lincoln to Chicago. They drove all day. And they get there, and then they get there early for batting practice. They never wanted to leave. I grew up with a wife like that. She didn't go, I want to leave in the eighth inning. 
because she didn't have baseball near her. Same for me. I live in Vegas, if you're listening outside the market. We don't have Major League Baseball. So if I'm going to fly to see the Yankees play Anaheim, I don't want the game to end in two hours. I want the game to end in three. I want to enjoy the whole day there. But now everybody's in a rush, 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 rush. In college football, that's the breaking news today. So I find that interesting. We still got a lot more Josh McDaniel sound I'll play here. But if you call, I'm going to get to you right out of the gate. John in Salt Lake City. John, start us off this hour. Thanks for calling. Thanks, JT, for taking my call. Mm -hmm. You know, JT, when the high rollers come into Vegas, they don't go to the $5 Jimmy Garoppolo Jared Stidham table. They're going to go to the $1,000 Aaron Rodgers, C.J. Stroud, Bryce Young table. Look, this team can go spend all at once on draft capital on defense. It can go sign all the free agency it wants on defense. If this team can't put up 27 points a game, they're not winning football games. Mm-hmm. Their power is on offense with Devontae, Darren Waller, Hunter Renfro. They need a trigger man, and they got to go big because 6-11 and 11 isn't cutting it. Now, I understand the plan for the future, but – that's just going to take care of itself down the road. This team needs to start worrying about winning now. And with the, the quarterbacks that are out there, there's no reason that this team isn't in a position, if it needs to go big in quarterback, that it can do that. So I'm hoping that Josh McDaniels and them understand that. Now, I get, you know, they don't want to take a reach, but as far as I'm concerned, there's some quarterbacks here that can help this team win now, and that's what I want to see happen. So thanks for taking the call, JT. Yeah, it's really important what you said there about scoring points. You would think that that is very important because you got to score because you play in a division where everybody scores a lot. And Denver's only going to be vastly improved with Sean Payton and Russell Wilson. They're only going to get better. We had a window here to kick the crap out of the Broncos, and we did. Right, Raider Nation? You had an opportunity, a window here. Two coaches got fired because of the Raiders. Now, Kansas City clearly is great. But the fact, Denver can't handle the Raiders. They hate the Raiders. And Vic Fangio and their last coach just got fired because the Raiders swept them. And they, they can't handle that in the building. When you look at what happened with Nathaniel Hackett and Vic Fangio, that's going to change. The Raiders are not going to sweep Sean Payton every year. They're just not. So we've got to worry about scoring points, but... I would push back a little bit, John. There's got to be some defensive prowess here. There's just got to be more defensive standouts who can take control of a football game other than Max Crosby. And that has to be vastly fixed quickly here. They need smarter and more explosive players, as the coach said earlier today, and they got to get them quick. They got to get them quick. They got to find more Micah Parsons, players like Max Crosby, than just developing players that, like Trayvon Merrick's a good example. Let me give you that example because I think he's a good kid. I've interviewed him twice. He's a good kid. Jonathan Abram, really good guy. But you can't swing and miss on Trayvon Merrick or Jonathan Abram. So Merrick's got to become a Pro Bowl player or the Raiders missed on him. That's the former regime. And the new regime's got to come in here and find players better than Trayvon Merrick and Jonathan Abram. Right? We all get that. And how are you going to do that? you got to thread the needle and draft guys who can play at a Pro Bowl level. And that hasn't happened around here in a while. And the coaches, that the heat's on the coaches and the evaluators who haven't done a good enough job 
bringing in players with bigger ceilings or coaching them up to be better than that. Beast Mode out in San Jose on the Raiders mobile app. Hey, how's it going, JT? Thanks for taking my call. Thank you. I appreciate you and appreciate the show, and I'll keep this uh, short and quick and simple. I guess I'm one of those uh, young callers that uh, Mm -hmm. likes to play a little hurry-up offense, so to speak. Um, I wanted to speak on your topic um, with regard to, as a fan, what I think our front office goals should be for the draft. And it's this. Mm -hmm. Simply put, our front office needs to allocate our first-round draft picks for the next three years and go all in for a guy like Lamar Jackson. Mm -hmm. Here's why. You solve the first thing, which is win now. You got the former MVP running the helm. You solve the second thing, which is the long-term solution at quarterback. I see him throwing passes and catching championships for the next nine years. You make that move. So I think it's the least that the Baltimore Bullies could do for us mm-hmm. is trade that guy since they crushed our last MVP. Anyway, thanks for taking yeah. my call, and I appreciate you, JT. Thank you. I appreciate you. And that's a very expensive trade. I don't know if Dave Ziegler wants to do that. That's too – it's too expensive. If he's a restricted tag, if he gets franchise tagged, and the Raiders got to give up two first-round picks – like two firsts for that, and then one's the seventh-round pick. If the Raiders had the 25th pick, right, and they gave up two first-round picks at 25 or whatever it is, I can live with that, but that's really expensive for him. So I think it's going to end kind of ugly. It's sensing that it's going to end ugly in Baltimore, but he is a very expensive player to get. You'd be asking the Raiders to trade for an MVP and at least give up two first-round picks. With Aaron Rodgers... I think you can get an MVP with two years left, minimum two years left, and give up one first-round pick. And I like Aaron Rodgers as a better fit than Lamar Jackson. Lamar Jackson's a great player, mobile, all that. I like Aaron Rodgers with the Devontae fit. Devontae's really important to me. I truly believe that Devontae came here and was sold on the fact that what he could do to help this team. And he broke records here with Derek Carr not playing well. I don't think Derek Carr played to his best ability, and Devontae was able to go out there and do some special things here where he only had three yards in the New Orleans game. He disappeared in a couple games in the second half because the Raiders couldn't stay on the field and get him the football. I hope that Darren Waller, Devontae, if Renfro is here, and other players, depending on what they do, I hope the quarterback can get the ball out quickly with a little zip on it and extend the pocket. Lamar Jackson can do that better than Aaron Rodgers. He's one of the greatest of all time at extending the pocket. But Lamar Jackson is nowhere near the pocket passer of Aaron Rodgers. Hardcore Raider checking in here on a nice Tuesday. What's happening? Hey, good afternoon, JT. Uh, I hope you have a safe trip to uh, see your parents. Thank you. Appreciate it. Uh, You know, appreciate all that you're doing for Raider Nation. You know, I mean, so here's – I'm just going to be honest. As a fan, like, yeah, I want to win now. You know, of course, we all do. But the reality is, is this, this defense is atrocious besides Max Crosby and maybe a couple guys. Like, we need a lot of, a lot of guys. And if we tie up that money with, you know, a quarterback that's making a lot of money, whether it's Derek Carr, Aaron Rodgers, or whatever, it's going to limit our abilities of, like, you know, our growth, in my opinion. So most, most of the teams, like, have a fairly cheap uh, quarterback deal if they're, like, you know, making a run to the Super Bowl. You know, there's a few exceptions, the Chiefs, but they've drafted really well. And that's what you have to do. If you're going to pay your quarterback that kind of money, you have to like be hitting on your drafts because you're not going to be able to keep everybody paying a quarterback that kind of money. 
So when I when I look at it, I guess my point is when I look at it, like I take off my fan hat and I look at it from a general manager perspective. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it, it probably is the smart move to get a like a cheaper contract, someone you can develop. To me, that guy would be Hinn and Hooker. I think he's high, highly undervalued because of the injury, and I think people are overlooking him. Mm-hmm. But I, I don't think Hinn and Hooker is going to go past the middle of the first round. If you look at the teams from from possibly the Commanders to the Seahawks, who have a second pick, to um, you know the mm-hmm. Panthers, uh, the Saints. You know, there's teams out there that if they know his talent, they'll take a. In my opinion, they're going to take a shot on him, and I don't think it's going to last till the second round. How about so, uh, let me ask you this, hard, hardcore Raider? Let me ask you this: How about the former national champion of Alabama, Mac Jones? Would you do a fair trade for Mac Jones? It's not worth it because the, the Patriots would lose out essentially on about fifteen million. It's like almost ten million dead money, mm-hmm. and then they're like negative five, five or six million on the contract. So but the what happens if the pa- what happens if the Patriots want to get out of this deal? They just they don't want him. They don't think he's right, and and that they're they're ready to take a little bit of a financial hit to move on from the player, who Josh McDaniels could think is perfect for the system. I I'm not a fan of Mac Jones. Okay, like I, I think he's he might be a little better than Derek Carr. Now Derek Carr, like his, like his contract and where it was at, I wasn't uh, on, on that boat, and that's why I said about halfway through the season that I don't think he's worth that contract. But but the reason why I said that is not just the production, but it's also because we need that money to get maybe an offensive lineman stud, a defensive lineman stud, maybe a Jalen Ramsey, a cornerback, mm-hmm. I mean, like uh, a linebacker. we got to use that money and we got to spread it out because there's so many holes in this team. If we pay somebody like an Aaron Rodgers that kind of money or whoever, even Derek Carr at 35, 40 mil, it's going gonna, it's gonna to hurt. And that's where I had to take my fan hat off and put my general manager hat on and be like, look at it from their perspective earlier in the season. And I, it makes sense. Yeah. Like, you know, I kind of seen this coming, yeah, but okay. uh, you know, I mean, Hen, Hen, uh, last thing, Hen and Hooker, again, him and Will Levis are the only quarterbacks that started all four years, JT. So, yeah. I don't, I don't like his know, age. I don't, I don't like him at 25. I told you that the other day. I, I don't like, I don't like, I know, look, I know. we could agree to disagree. I don't like drafting a quarterback 25 years old going on 26. I, I but, just not, that's not they, my DNA. They should be able to be developed faster because mm. they're they're older, they're more mature. Okay. You, want, you want a twenty one year old guy in Vegas, man? Come on, dude. I mean, so I'm just mm. saying these guys okay. are more experienced, and, and someone is at their prime in those years twenty six to thirty one. Sure, you know, so he's he, he should develop faster. So when he gets out of when he gets out of his rookie contract, because you have him for his rookie contract, he's thirty thirty one for his first real contract. You want that? Right. Yeah, we, okay. we can draft another quarterback. We can draft another guy. You know what I mean? I mm-hmm. mean that that's the that's the new, the new NFL. How many quarterbacks are staying with the same team more than mm-hmm. four or five seasons? Yeah. Rare. I yeah. think you can count it almost on on one hand. You know, if you go back mm-hmm. the last twenty years, very few quarterbacks are even on their teams that long. Mm-hmm. If he's worth it and he's still producing, well, I mean, look at Tom Brady. If if you want to pull mm-hmm. out that card, I'm not yeah. saying he's going to be Tom Brady, but Tom Brady played until he's forty six. Other yep. guys are playing until they're forty. Okay. So yeah, if he. If he's producing and he's worth the money at age mm-hmm. thirty-one, well, then yeah, you pull the trigger. Okay, and you do it. I'm not arguing with you. I'm just throwing it, throwing it back at you. Thanks for the call. Hendon Hooker is 25 years old. When we have an opportunity here, we I'm a season ticket holder, right? I don't need to remind you. I'm a season ticket holder. We have an opportunity to get guys in their early 20s who are supposed to be better than him. Okay, Richardson, Levis, Bryce Young, potentially C.J. Stroud. So that's it. You're, you want to get an older quarterback who you deem more experience 
and then you want to go get him and you don't want the guys in front of him that most people think are better. That's unique. That's fair. So you, what, do you want to trade back and get him? But you said he could go in the top 15. If he, if he was going in the second round and the Raiders have a high second-round pick and you want to take Hendon Hooker there, I'm good with that. I'm good with that. With the seventh pick overall, I wouldn't take him. So then you're suggesting trading back, and then that's risky because you never know who's going to be there when you trade back. You know who's going to be there. You know if they get through the first five picks and you like three players, you're going to get one of the three at seven. You move back, all your guys could be gone that you're really targeting. It's very risky. It's very risky. And a lot of Raider fans don't want to risk right now. This is such a unique time in Raider modern history. What's modern history? Let's go back to Rich Gannon. Rich Gannon was the last very good decision made. I tweeted out, I don't even know how many retweets I got. It was from another gentleman, the Terrell Pryor touchdown run. I got a lot of action on that tweet. Let me find that here really quick. And I remember when I was on the sidelines with the Raiders in that game where Terrell Pryor took off, and he ran for one of the most beautiful historic runs in Raider history at quarterback. It was beyond gorgeous. I remember being on the sideline. Here it is. I remember being on the Raiders' sideline for this run and thinking he might be the one. This is the thing of beauty. It's got 1,000, 1,500 likes, 130 retweets, and everybody's looking. It was from uh, Dr. C.J. Umar who put it out, and I really liked it. I looked at this 10 times. I can't tell you how many times I've sat here and looked at the Raiders quarterback who they had and said, you know, I got a good feeling about this guy. I really do. I think this next quarterback could be pretty good. And Derek Carr we've had for nine years. Even my memory is staggered. I got to go back before Derek Carr. And then it was Rich Gannon. We need to make a decision as a veteran such as Rich Gannon. Get a guy. Do you think Jimmy Garoppolo can play at the level of Rich Gannon? I do. I, don't, I think Rich was more talented outside the pocket, but Garoppolo wins more games. He's a winner. Or do you find a young quarterback that you can develop and hope he turns into a rock star, but you don't have to trade up to get him and use two first-round picks? That's where we're at. We're in a very trying time in Raider history because the confusion, I won't say we're all divided. We're not dividing. We're just having conversations. We just don't seem to all be on the same page. And I don't like that. I'd like to be on the same page. I was on the same page for Tom Brady because I should have been locked up in a straitjacket if I didn't think Tom Brady could help this team win in the short term and he wasn't going to demand $50 million. That's gone. Aaron Rodgers, I wish Aaron Rodgers weren't demanding $60 million guaranteed because I'd like that a lot, but that's really expensive and you got to give up a draft pick. And I'm not sold on Hendon Hooker or Richardson or Levis. I think they could be good and have some upside, but I'm not sold on them. So we're all going to have to work through this together. All going to have to work through this together with opinions. Angel in Arizona, you're up next. Thanks for calling. What's happening? Hey, how you doing, Jay? Um, yeah, I think I think um, I think Ziegler could pull it off where he can do both: get us a young quarterback and get us Aaron Rodgers, and not give up a first pick for Aaron Mm -hmm. Rodgers. Because I think things are going to get ugly with Aaron Rodgers in Green Bay, and it's going to get to a point where you're like, man, let's just take whatever we can. And maybe give a second, um, second for this year, uh, this year's second, and next year's third, and something, and and maybe a cheap player or something. But we get Aaron Rodgers, and we can still get maybe um, Will Levis at seven, or Anthony Richardson, or move back. And I think Ziggler could work it, but I think he could do both of the the things um, Raider Nation wants. 
that way we could have. I mean, the Vegas is this this year coming up, so we need a we need to make a run for that, and then we have a rookie quarterback for if it doesn't work out with Aaron Rodgers. Yeah, it'd be nice if you could get him for a second round pick. I think he, the Green Bay Packers are going to want a first round pick for him. I really do. I think Green Bay has the right to ask for that for a four time MVP. I think they're going to stick to that, but if you're right and it doesn't require that, that would help out. And I think that Dave Ziegler would do a great job negotiating if they decided to go to Aaron Rodgers. It's not going to be an easy negotiation. I think that Dave Ziegler will fight to not have to give up a first-round pick and try. And if there's no way to do it and he pulls it off, he pulls it off. Or if he says it's too rich with a first-round pick and he passes on it, I'm okay with that. We're going to have to find out. We don't know what's going to happen here. But Aaron Rodgers, I wish we had more of the sound. We'll probably have it later in the week or I'll play it next week. I th- you know, I'm hearing conflicting reports. Green Bay has the right to be really upset about Aaron Rodgers. They really do. Just the way the Brooklyn Nets have the right to be really pissed off about Kyrie Irving, James Harden, and Kevin Durant. what they do to those guys? They brought them all together. They said, we're going to win championships, plural, in Brooklyn. And all those guys ran away from Brooklyn. And they all got paid. The owner paid him every dime that he was supposed to pay him, and the owner got nothing for him. I think Green Bay is treating Aaron Rodgers the same way Joe Sy, the owner of the Brooklyn Nets, looked, like, looked at all those egomaniacs. Green Bay is now saying, really, Aaron? Really, you're putting us through this? We're the Green Bay Packers. Vince Lombardi, Bart Starr, Brett Favre started these shenanigans. By the way, when was the last time you heard anything good about Brett Favre? One of my favorite players of all time. All time. What a great player he was, but his problems off the field now are pretty big. So with all this, Aaron Rodgers, I guess he believes because he watched Favre do it, that he can do the same thing. And he might be our quarterback, so I'll tread lightly. I'll tread lightly because he might be our quarterback here in Las Vegas. No one's perfect. Derek wasn't perfect. No one's perfect. But I'd just like to have an explosive quarterback who can come out in Allegiant Stadium and have the whole crowd in the palm of their hands and make great plays and win games. That's all I want. I think that's all you want, too. Eddie Pascal will join us from Radio Row in India at the Combine. Coming up next, brought to you by PTs. I think you you definitely um, you know you you can be served well if you if you have the ability to do that at quarterback. Now uh, we've seen that now. Um, I don't feel as a coach that that my job is to put all the pressure on the quarterback by not doing a really good job of designing what we're doing so that he has to move around the entire game and you know because there's nobody to throw to you know so. Uh, as coaches, we always want to give our players good options so they don't have to do that. But certainly the guys in our league that can extend plays and add time to the passing game, uh, create loose plays, or make yards with their legs in, in general, um, those are all tough guys to defend. Um, we, we've played a number of them, and, and they're not easy guys to, to you know put the clamps on. It's Josh Jacobs earlier today. Big scrum there. Kind of a state of the union for the coaches when they get to the combine. 
We are brought to you by the 872 Laborers, led by Tommy White, building the city fast, safely, and on time. Let's go out to Eddie Pascal from the Raiders and Raiders Digital Team here in Raider Nation Radio. And, Eddie, before I get into the scrum, uh, big news with you, Rock and Roll Marathon. How did it go? How you feeling? Uh, man, I feel good. No, I got to be honest, JT. I, I only did the 10K. Right? Okay. I, had a buddy who was, I had a buddy who was working for, uh, for Iron Man. Uh, and he had a spot open up last minute. I was like, you know what? I'll slide in. I'll do the 10K. Uh, and I got to be honest with you, man. Like, it was the – I've watched from afar that event, but I got to say, like, a tip of the hat to everyone involved because, I mean, we talk about how well Vegas does sporting events, and I'll include the Rock and Roll Marathon in that. I mean, just a fantastic event um, put together incredibly well. And, and I think it was great because you kind of feel the energy, you feel the excitement of not only the people that, that are there, you know, literally traveling from all over the world to, to come and run, but you feel the energy of the city, too. So it, uh, it was great, man. It was a lot of fun. Well, one other thing. I've done a 10 in the past a while ago, but I did a bunch of fives, and big difference there. So you now, do you got the hunger after the 10 that you want to go for the, the half, you want to go for the whole? I, I, knowing yeah. you the way I do, I sense you're going to up that next year. You, you know, I've done a couple halves in my day. Uh, and then my mom, actually, when she was, you know, in her previous life, before me and my siblings came around, like, she actually did a handful of marathons. So uh, that is one thing on my bucket list that I want to do. I want to say that I've I've done a marathon, knock it off the bucket list. I don't know if it'll be this year or next year, but uh, it's definitely on the list of, of things to do. And, and, you know, as long as my body holds up, knock on wood, I think I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to try to get it done at some point. No doubt about it. Let's talk about that scrum today. You've been to a few of these when you saw it. I, I love this day. I love when Roger Goodell gives his State of the Union at the Super Bowl. I love big, big press conferences where – Everybody tries to show up, even some media from the outside, depending on what the landscape looks like. What was it like today for Josh McDaniels? Yeah, I think it very much was that. And I think, you know, to your point about, you know, people coming in from the outside, I think that it's healthy for all of us. And I'll I'll include myself in this conversation just to kind of get the temperature and understand what folks outside of the market are talking about. Right. I think that all of us, you know, are so locked into to our Raider world and we cover everything with the silver and black tinge as we should. But I think it is really uh, refreshing to kind of have a chance to kind of hear what the perception is from this team, from folks who don't necessarily cover them every day, to, to kind of understand, you know, people that have dealt with Josh and Dave Ziegler at different points in their career, and then to kind of look at them now, obviously, as the head coach and the GM of the Las Vegas Raiders is really interesting. But, yeah, I mean, to your point, there was no shortage of, uh, of intrigue headed in today. We heard from Jay, uh, excuse me, Dave Ziegler and Josh McDaniels. Um, and I think that one thing is certain, right, it is going to be a, a very exciting, busy five, six, seven weeks uh, not only for the organization, but but for the fans as we gear up for free agency in the NFL draft. You know, for Josh McDaniels, and especially Dave, but more the head coach, because he's a quarterback whisper, a whisperer in his connection to Tom Brady, this is not going to stop Eddie until they get a quarterback. And that, that process could end quickly here, depending on what's the, how they negotiate Stidham, what could happen via the draft, but that's not till the end of April, and free agency here. So I would expect more of those questions coming up here every time Dave, but especially the head coach, speaks to the media. Yeah, that's, and you're 100% right. And, and I look at it, I don't think it's, it's a state secret at all that this is the biggest question surrounding this organization right now is who's going to be under center, uh, you know, in August or September when we kick this thing off for real. But there, there was one point in Josh's press conference from today that I, I thought was really enlightening. And, and I actually wrote it down is, you know, he brought the fact, JT, he goes that the past four years for him has been really transformative and educational just because he's had four very different quarterbacks. He goes, you know, I went from Tom Brady to Cam Newton. Uh, to Mac Jones and then Derek Carr a year ago. And he goes, you know, they all have some similarities, but they're four very different guys and four very different skill sets. And so I think that when we look at 
who ultimately is going to end up being that guy, whether it's a rookie, whether it's a veteran, somewhere in between for the Raiders in 2023. I just thought it was really interesting that Coach brought up that fact that he goes, you know, you don't, it, he's seen so much and he's had a chance to really learn over these past couple of years in terms of what a quarterback is, what a quarterback can do, uh, and ultimately what fits his system and what he's most comfortable with. Eddie Pascal joins us from the Combine. Check out his coverage all week long at Raiders.com. I saw Q tweeted too. Tell me about Dave Ziegler's media session. What was that like? Yeah, I mean, Dave was, you know, insightful as always. I got to I gotta be nice, JT, because he's actually standing on the other side of the wall from me. So I got to make sure if he's, <laughs> he's eavesdropping that I'm giving him, all the, uh, giving him all the love in the world. But, no, I think it was very much the same, you know, what we heard from Josh, right? And I think that, to me, is really important to hear, right? The coach and the GM are in line in what the mission is for this organization, not only at the quarterback position. And, look, I'm just like you where – you know, that's the most exciting thing to talk about. That's what folks want to talk about. But to really understand kind of the defensive side of the football as well, kind of the depth on the roster, and to see, uh, to see and hear that Javen, excuse me, Dave and Josh are really aligned in that. But, um, you know, Dave, I thought, was, was really insightful per usual. Um, hit on a bunch of things that will be up later today on Raiders.com. But, you know, I, I think one that really stood out to me is, is he was towards the end of the session, he was talking about the strengths uh, of this draft class. And I think that's always an interesting uh, to hear a GM talk about that as we gear up for the start of draft season here. Uh, and, he, and he said that really when he looks at this group, it's, it's the cornerbacks and the tight ends are, are two groups that he's really excited to kind of dive into a little bit further to have a chance to interview over the next couple of days. So uh, I think those are really my big takeaways, the fact that him and Josh McDaniels are so aligned and that now we have a few kind of uh, ideas of position groups that really – uh, bring a lot of promise to this to this crop in, in 2023. Yeah, Eddie, we don't know what's going to happen in the first round. We have no idea, actually, sure. and it's the job of the GM and the head coach to keep that close to the vest. It just seems like if you want the first two quarterbacks, you have to trade up. If you want to wait for the second one, Levis and Richardson, they should be there, one of them, at number seven. But the problem is someone can jump yet seven, right? Not jump the Raiders because the Raiders mm-hmm. would have to agree to that. But it's six or five, so... I think this is going to be a great poker session coming up here in the next couple of weeks. We know in the top seven picks who won a quarterback, who wants a quarterback. And I think Chicago, I want you to comment on Justin Fields. We saw him play here in Vegas and the yeah. fact that they seem to still want to develop him. But if you fall in love with someone better, Chicago is really going to tilt this draft right out of the gate if they decide to trade that pick. Yeah, I mean, 100%. And look, you know, this is, I'm, I'm sure, like an NFL, the NFL's dream scenario where there is literally starting at pick one, there are so many different ways that this story could unfold for us, not only for the Bears at one, the Raiders at seven, you know, really the entirety of that first round. There is no shortage of intrigue and, and, and ways that this thing could play out. And, and you know, we talk about, you know, Dave and, and Josh talk, both uh, talked about this today separately, about kind of just that position of being at seven. And, yes, it's a top ten pick, but it's an interesting position because you technically are close enough. You could make a move to move up, and obviously they both discussed about the cost of doing business if that's ultimately what they ended, ended up doing. But they say you can also move back and still likely get a quality player if you were to move a few slots back, uh, few slots back gain a little draft capital. So it's a very interesting spot at seven. Um, it really, to me, it kind of feels like one of those choose-your-own-adventure books about what the Raiders are going to do and what ultimately they, they will decide to do. But like we've talked about a lot, no shortage of entering it, and certainly uh, with the quarterback, no shortage uh, of opportunity if that's the way that these guys ultimately decide to go come April. Wrapping it up with Eddie Pascal, how many of the questions, not a precise number, but did you sense – there was a lot of Josh Jacobs talk just about the franchise tag, what he deserved to reward a contract, and you know the complexities of paying a running back in this expensive market. 
Yeah, and, and you know, I think I think Coach McDaniel's kind of d- deferred to, to Dave about that earlier this morning, and Dave was asked about it as well. And, and you know, he kind of gave the uh, you know the answer that I think a lot of us expected. You know, ha- you know, there's conversations between uh, between Josh and and uh, excuse me and, and Dave and, and their collective representatives and, and trying to figure out a thing and uh, uh, you know kind of a middle ground for them. But you know, he was. He's very honest with you. It has to, it has to work for, for both sides. And, and, you know, ultimately he said, you know, Josh wants to be a Raider and the Raiders want him to stay a Raider. And so it's a great place to kind of start any of those conversations. Uh, lastly, what's the radio role like? You were just at the Super Bowl. This one's different. I like Indy because there's a lot of nonsense at Radio Row at the Super Bowl, a lot of products being pitched. This is more hardcore football uh, talk. There's levity there. You can have fun, but it's kind of you got a minute to talk to a prospect or a coach or someone like that. So what's the vibe like there? Because I think this event should be in Vegas, and I have no problem uh, telling and fighting for that. I think the combine in Vegas at some point in time, moving from Indy, but a lot of people like it in Indy because they get a lot of business done and the city set up well for it. Yeah, and you know, I'll be honest with you, JT. Like, I'm a I'm a big indie guy. Mm-hmm. Like, I feel I feel very at home in this city. Uh, but to your point about it kind of being a, a Super Bowl light atmosphere, I think that that's a, that's really appropriate. And I think you hit the nail on the head where you know you love it or hate it, and it kind of is what the Super Bowl is. But there are a lot of shenanigans uh, at Radio Row when you are at a Super Bowl. So, so for here, I feel like it is a little more. Uh, in a good way, just kind of football centric. Everyone is here kind of to do the same thing and that's gather information and figure out ultimately who's going to end up on their respective teams. But uh, I'm, I'm really happy personally that the NFL has kept it here in Indy. That said, would I love to see this event and excuse me, this event in Las Vegas? Absolutely. Las Vegas is certainly built to host an event like this. Uh, I think that folks would love an excuse uh, to come to Las Vegas in late February, particularly on the East Coast. But um, yeah, I'm excited to see where the league takes this. And if it stays in Indy, great. If it returns uh, to us in Las Vegas, you're not going to hear any complaints from me. You got it, Eddie. Have a good week of content. We'll be looking and watching and seeing it all at Raiders.com. Thank you. Appreciate it, JT. We'll talk soon. All right, Eddie Pascal. He is live from Indy. Where Q's coming up next. And Q just tweeted out that there's a lot of good stuff on Dave Ziegler. They just did a, a scrum with him, media session. So that's what they do. The first day of the combine is really important because the coach most likely hasn't spoke since the exit interview, right? The season ends. You don't make the playoffs. You have that one final press conference. Josh McDaniels had that after the Kansas City game. You kind of say goodbye, and then you meet everybody at the combine. And all of that is up at Raiders.com. You can watch the entire presser in full, or you can listen to some of the sound bites that we've been playing here and will continue to do before the top of the hour and we'll jump right in and uh, see what happens over the next couple of days. The Dave Ziegler content's pretty good. When I interview him, I really enjoy interviewing him, and I loved interviewing Mike Mayock because Mike Mayock was a TV guy, right? Mayock was really good on TV, and the events I did with him and interviewing him, he's right to the point, and he was very good. There's just something special about Dave Ziegler. He comes across like that high school guidance counselor who's also a football servant, that's connected and knows how to do business. And I like them. And he's still young. He's very young at this. The first time he's ever been a GM. And this is the first time he has a draft where he has all his picks. Unlike last year where they had to use one and two, first and second round for Devontae. Raider Chris out in Yakima, Washington. Hello, Chris. How are you? Great, JT. Glad to, uh, glad to talk to you. Thank you. Hey, Same I got here. a couple of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I love – uh, Ziegler, McDaniel's. I'm still, I'm, I'm holding out hope. But Ziegler comes across just to what you were talking about, like the evil mastermind. I don't want him to be good in a press conference or, or for TV. I want him to be just killing it, and nobody know that he's killing it. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Mm-hmm. 
And then getting into the previous draft, you know, everybody misses on draft picks. That happens for everybody. The problem that I have with us is we were reaching for guys. I mean, we were grabbing guys in the first round that nobody else had till the third or fourth round, and that's what has killed us. Yes. Um, I'm a big car guy. I, I really love Derek Carr, but I think if Stidham would have started this whole season, uh, I think we would have probably had a better record. Um, I, I know for a fact we wouldn't have been any worse. Uh, Derek just looked scared in, in certain situations. There was every the, the Cardinals game is a perfect example. Watching the first half of that game, it was like we finally figured it out. Everything is clicking. And then the second half of that game, it was like, oh, my gosh, this looks like a completely different team. Uh, yeah. Going yeah. to the draft, mm-hmm. offensively, the only thing we should be looking for is an offensive tackle and maybe a quarterback. I love how Ziegler's playing this close to the vest. We can get a, a quarterback in free agency. I don't know which way he's going, but the rest of the draft has to be defense. Yeah. It has to be defense. And then in free agency, maybe we pick up a QB, get some value, and maybe one, one kind of big-name guy. But Ziegler and McDaniel have to have three years. We will not know if their, their plan is going to work if they don't have a full three years. I would agree with that. Chris, I would agree with that. i got to go. Appreciate your call from Yakima. Thank you for listening on the Raiders mobile app. Uh, You know, when you look at time, three years is fair for any new regime to come in, but look for a quarterback. We don't have three years for a young quarterback. We don't. Just because Raider Nation, I mean, it's the right thing to do is develop someone long-term. We all know. But come on, man. We're in Vegas. We just opened up this joint. This thing's brand new. we got to win. Have to win. We went to the playoffs already. Season one, there were no fans. Season two was fans vaccinated. And season three, we just had missed the playoffs. Season four is the Super Bowl here. Not saying we're going to the Super Bowl as season ticket holder, but you better believe it's going to be something brought up. So quickly, I know we got to go, Bobby, but very quickly. I want my free agents to be offensive linemen. Here's why. It's hard to develop a college kid to play in the NFL going up against monsters like Max Crosby coming off the edge. I like to see guys, and it's hard because good offensive linemen stay with their team. But from time to time, you can get a 30, 31-year-old guard who's going to play another four or five years at the right price, and you don't have to worry about him. He's got eight years of NFL tape, seven years of tape, maybe went to the playoffs, maybe been a pro bowl. I like getting my offensive linemen in free agency or cutdowns from other teams. This team needs help on the O-line. Colt Miller, Dylan Parham. Dylan Parham is a high draft pick. The first pick last year for the Raiders in the third round. He's got to be developed, and he's got to continue to start. The rest of the guys, from the center to the right guard to the right tackle, got to prove it. And I think if you can get the right tackle in free agency, along with the left tackle in Colt Miller, man, that's going to be good. And I would go get it via... The draft, only if you get them in the second or third round. I don't want to hear about fourth, fifth, sixth-round offensive linemen. Come on. They're not ready to play, especially if they played at a smaller school. And this team took Alex Leatherwood in the first round, and he was a beast. He won the Outland Trophy, and he couldn't play the position. He couldn't play. He went to Chicago, couldn't play. That was a big miss. So we can't have a miss up front on the offensive line. And I think the best way to secure that you don't have a miss is you go get a veteran offensive lineman. 
And they're hard to find because the good ones are kept. And the ones who are a little bit shaky or expensive are left go. But there's always three or four offensive linemen, guards and tackle available in the offseason. I thought the Raiders would get one last year. They didn't. At this high level, I think they get one this year. Seven seconds to go. Avalanche have it on the near side. Proud of Ballerina to its feet. Two seconds, one second, and they'll let the clock run out on a dump-in. It's over in Denver. The Avalanche shut out the Golden Knights 3-0. That was a bummer. I mean, come on. Shut out against the world champs? I thought they played a pretty good game. They had a lot of good looks. Vegas Golden Knights were swarming, but Avalanche were better. And, man, did they want that game. JT, back with you. That's our sister station, the flagship here. So as we take a look at the Western Conference, Vegas leads the Pacific with 76 points. they got to be careful because the fourth seed is the Kraken. They're only four points behind. So Vegas is right there. They're still on top of the West, which would be a best-case scenario. Now, Patrick Kane was moved to the Rangers, which is a big deal. So the East is tough, much tougher than the West. So I think the war in the Eastern Conference, whoever comes out, most likely Boston. Boston is the best team in hockey, clearly. They have 97 points. Really, no one is close to them. The leading team, they have 97 points, Bobby. The leading team in all of the West is Vegas at 76. That's a big difference between Boston and Vegas point-wise, but who cares? If Vegas played in the East, they'd be a zero factor right now. If Vegas was in the East, we wouldn't be talking about them. Here, they lead the West, and only one team gets to the Stanley Cup out of the West. Well, it's nice to see the Bruins doing really, really well, but one thing you got to remember is the President's Cup winner almost never gets to the Stanley Cup yep. Finals. No, I think Boston's just different this year. They're really good. And I know if Boston gets to the Stanley Cup Final and Vegas is there, Boston will be a favorite, but they'll be beat up. Much more than Vegas, you would think. They'd be really beat up coming into that game because that East is going to be a battle. Much tougher. It's kind of like the AFC compared to the NFC. I like where Vegas is if they don't screw it up. I like that they added a forward who's tough and can hit. All right, I'm out of town for a couple days. I'll be back on Monday. You'll get all the coverage here on Raider Nation Radio. A lot of the team, a lot of the team is out in Indy. So all that content will be at Raiders.com here on Raider Nation Radio. Bobby, great job today. Thanks to Eddie Pascal, Benjamin Brown, who joined us. You can catch me tonight on Sirius XM 82, Mad Dog Sports Radio. As always, 6 to 9 p.m. Pacific. Have a great day, everybody, and more Dave Ziegler Q content coming up next from Indy on the flagship of the Silver and Black.